0: Hi guys and welcome back to DuraLexedLex. I'm Anna and I'm Alyssa and today we're going to be talking about the Magdalene Laundries of Ireland swept under the rug.
1: Just a quick trigger warning for you guys this episode will mention gendered violence, severe violence and also sexual assault so listener discretion be advised. so let's get started with this episode. Our episode for today concerns the Magdalene laundries of Ireland. Laundries as in literal places where women did laundry. And the main story of our case today is how women were basically stripped of their human rights and were literal slaves for about 250 years, enslaved by the Catholic Church of Ireland. Laundries were supposed to be a place where young women would pay for their sins initially, but it soon became a place where every woman that was not according to the Catholic standard would be hidden away from the world. This is a very recent occurrence actually as the last laundry closed in september 1996 and even after they were closed there wasn't much conversation on the things actually happening at the laundries as there was a lack of information on what was actually going on in them and the survivors were very very ashamed of their past and of their experiences at the laundries So basically, the only people that knew what was happening there were the women who took part in the atrocities or who were subjected to the cruel treatment at the Laundries. It was not until the 2000s that the Irish government actually admitted that they were abusive institutions, but they did not issue any formal apology until later in 2013. While they were still running, at any given point in time, there were 10 to 12 laundries running in Ireland by four separate religious orders, namely the Good Shepherd Sisters, the Sisters of Our Lady of Charity, the Sisters of Mercy, and the Sisters of Charity, all of them being part of the Catholic Church. One of the most important and biggest laundries, and the one that actually uncovered the mystery of the laundries of Ireland, was the High Park in Dublin. In 1993, because the nuns had acquired some financial problems, they finally decided to sell a plot of their land adjacent to their property to land developers. The problem was that on that plot of land, they claimed that over 130 women had been buried over the past century or so, and therefore the bodies had to be exhumed and there was a lot of paperwork involved. And as they got started with the proceedings, the nuns were able to provide only 75 birth certificates. The other deaths had never been declared which is both obviously unethical and illegal under Irish law to not declare someone who had died on your property. But also what is really really interesting and also mortifying is that when the exhumations began it became clear that there were much more than 130 bodies buried on that plot of land. I think it was about 155 bodies that were actually found there. There was no investigation really from the Irish government on the extra bodies that were found. What happened next is that their bodies were cremated, which meant that there was no possibility to establish the identity or the cause of death of these women anymore. And even more, the majority of the families and the general public were not aware of this. So obviously when they found out, they were very angry with the Irish state and also the Catholic Church for hiding the truth all this time. The women who had been working in the laundry started to come out and tell their stories about how they would be forced to work 12 to 13 hours a day, every single day. And that's how the story got out and people started getting informed and word got out about the laundries of Ireland. You might wonder, what are these laundries exactly? Like, are they literal laundries or is there something more to them? And the answer is yes, (laughs) there is. Um, The Magdalene laundries, or also known as Magdalene asylums, were institutions ran by the Catholic Church and operated between the 18th and the 20th century, as recent as 1996 when the last laundry closed in September of that year. The first ever institution was the Magdalene Hospital in London which opened at the initiative of Robert Dingley who claimed that something should be done in order to reclaim young women who had given up their lives to sex work. The people who were brought to the laundries were deemed to be fallen women, in quotation marks, and the definition of fallen women actually changed a lot throughout time in order to fit the Catholic Church's narratives. For example, in the 18th century, fallen women were considered to be prostitutes or sex workers, and by the end of the 19th century, however, the definition changed quite a lot, and many different kinds of women actually fell underneath the definition of fallen women, including girls who were not prostitutes but were considered to be seduced women, or even girls who had yet to engage in sexual activity altogether. The first laundry in Dublin opened only 10 years after the one in London. But what many people don't know is that they started appearing in various places in the Commonwealth, such as the US, Canada or Australia. However, as labor laws started developing around the world, laundries started disappearing from these places, but somehow Ireland seeped under the radar and still managed to have them as recent as 1996. Although the main purpose in the beginning of the laundries was to stop prostitution, they had little to no effect on prostitution over the period that they existed. And despite all of this, the number of laundries in Ireland still continued to increase. The girls were not paid, but rather they were used as a ready source of free labor for these laundry businesses. Soon enough, the sole motivation was no longer to keep prostitution in check, but rather to maintain social and moral order within the bounds of the patriarchal structure. So the Magdalene laundries basically became a part of the large structure of suppression of women. As the number of laundries increased and they became understaffed, the definition of fallen women had to become very ambiguous in order to include any women who appeared to challenge traditional notions of Irish morality. So by the 20th century, the laundries were actually even receiving women via the criminal justice systems, the reformatory schools, health and social services, and...
0: Some women even admitted themselves. So now you might wonder how does actually the Catholic Church fit into this picture and why, why is it such a notable event? Why, why does it matter, basically? So to start Ireland was and still is nowadays a very much a Catholic state. And from the mid-18th century until 1996, like Alyssa said earlier, they imprisoned women and forced them to carry out unpaid labor. And they basically selected these women by means of like certain criteria. So they basically took all of the women that were somehow looking promiscuous or were unmarried mothers or were the daughters of unmarried mothers or who were considered to be a burden on their families or um, a burden to the state. Or women who had been sexually abused, sexually assaulted or had been growing up in the care of the church or the state. So any women who were basically deemed mentally ill, had learning difficulties, had had too many children or spoke out against authority. And these women were basically then taken in to redeem their sins and had to do this in church. And at the beginning they were very much voluntary. So you could come in and you could redeem yourself, but then very much soon after they were voluntary, they became kind of forced on women. And the women were taken and had to stay there. And even the judicial system would sentence these women to um, the laundries as a punishment. Most often, a visitation there was not permitted or was only permitted under very strict conditions. So they wouldn't have any contact to anyone else. They wouldn't have contact to their families, to their babies, to anyone. And these Um, Women were categorized as fallen women, like Alyssa said in the introduction earlier, who were under the supervision of Catholic nuns for months, years, and sometimes even for life. And when the Magdalene movement first took hold in the mid-18th century, the campaign to put these fallen women to work was supported by both the Catholic and the Protestant churches, with women serving short terms inside asylums with the goal of rehabilitation. So they would come in and redeem themselves to God and then be able to be re-released into society. However, like I said, over the years, the Magdalene laundries, um, where the name comes from the biblical figure Mary Magdalene, became primarily Catholic institutions. And then the stints grew longer and longer. And these women were sent there to be charged with redeeming themselves through lace-making, needlework or doing laundry. And those laundries were very profitable, actually. And the Catholic Church took a lot of money. They were able to um, make a lot of money through these laundries, which the women wouldn't see. The women weren't paid for their work. They were forced to do labor there and were not paid. They didn't see a single cent of this, this alleged money. So during the later stages of the laundries, they were primarily only known as educational institutions. But like I said, they were this business for the nuns, in which they would often lie about the conditions that the people were living in. So many women were actually being sent to the laundries for little crimes, for very insignificant crimes, such as forgetting to pay for a train ticket. And although the state now denies this, Um, They actually knew what conditions the women were being put in and what they were growing up in. And it was actually the state that had contracts with the institutions for getting their laundry washed and were paying the church for the work that they would receive. So it was very much a back and forth between the state and the church in kind of keeping the business profitable so the state would give the institutions work and vice versa. So it was very much a collaborative event that was taking place. And also, in fact, the state and the army um, were the laundry's biggest clients where the imprisoned women were washing their clothes and their linen and also hotels um, represent 20% of the sales that these laundries were having. And also adding to this, even though the state very much denies that they had any involvement with the laundries, the Magdalene laundries were considered workplaces, so they were subject to the Factory Act, and they were actually also part of regular checkups by state authorities. So clearly this shows that the state had some sort of involvement in the laundries. If they also had contracts with the laundries for work exchange, they obviously had some sort of inner workings in this whole, whole scheme. But by the time the girls would leave the laundries, they were very much close to literate and had little knowledge about how things were actually going on in the outside world. And this was very much intentional as it made them reliant on the system even more and made them scared to leave the laundries, made them not want to leave the laundries because it was all they knew. They had no one else. They had no family. They had no one to go to. And similar, the only way that they could actually leave the laundries was either by requesting a family member to take them on Or running away but this wasn't always easy as the place was guarded and like i said earlier you didn't know anyone in the outside world so how could you even begin to fathom where to go also you have to keep in mind that upon entry the women were very much brainwashed the nuns gave them new names they had to take their maiden names they weren't able to communicate at all like most work days were 10-hour work days where they weren't even allowed to speak to each other they would have to have the hair cut their personal belongings were taken and the mail that they would receive would first be inspected by the nuns and then hidden or destroyed and most importantly they weren't paid for their work so this all kind of goes hand in hand with making the women reliable to the Magdalene laundries they, they they really tried to like isolate them completely and make them so reliant on them. Most of the laundries were actually closed in the 70s, but the last Magdalene Laundry closed in 1996, like Alyssa mentioned earlier. But they were not closed because of the horrible conditions they were lived in and because people actually um, stepped up and knew about them. But they were rather closed because they just fell out of popularity. People started buying washing machines for themselves, and they didn't need to give their laundry to those laundries anymore. So they were just out of fashion. And this abusive system, give it or take, went on for 231 years. During this time, not only women were imprisoned, but if they were taken in and were actually pregnant or um, fell pregnant, their children were then, once they were in labour and gave birth, they were taken away from them and they were put into orphanages and were declared orphans. And another very big monetary scheme that the, the Irish Laundries actually had was selling these babies onto very rich families in the US and trafficking the babies like that. To make money, to redeem the losses that the church has made over the, like the um, thousands of years that they were going on, so they were kind of really making this like profitable scheme of these babies, and if they couldn't sell the babies, they killed them. So there's these mass graves of these laundry babies um, that only have been started to be uncovered in the two thousands, and in two thousand fourteen. One of the largest mass graves was found with 796 babies, um, which were put in a septic tank of this like laundry facility. So this facility then had been investigated and it had to be reconstructed to kind of tell the story of what actually happened there. But it was not only the babies that were buried, the women were also buried and they were put in these unregistered mass graves around the whole of Ireland. And they're still being uncovered nowadays because no one knows where they're actually buried. So, like I said earlier, the state as well as the church very much tried to suppress how many women had exactly been imprisoned in these laundries. And it is very unknown how many women have passed through. Official estimates say that it was around 10,000 women, but that's a very far underestimation. And like looking at the amount of survivors that actually came forward, people believe that it's more like 300,000 to half a million women that had been put through those laundries in in total. But again, it's only estimates. They don't really know how many women had been imprisoned so far and how many babies had also been killed. Like, there's no official numbers, there's no records on this.
1: But let's talk a bit about the mother and child relationship inside the institutions of the Laundries. Basically, unwed pregnant mothers or mothers to young children would almost certainly be sent to mother and baby homes, which were separate entities of the Laundries, but still collaborated very closely with them. What happened is that they would have their babies taken away from them at birth. The babies were then taken to the orphanage and the women would be taken to the laundries. Although the laundries and orphanages were most often very close to each other and they were even often in the same plot, they would be kept separate. This was another form of punishment as a woman who was considered to be a fallen woman was not considered to be fit to raise a child. It is claimed that up to 2,000 children were illegally taken away from their mothers during this time. In terms of what kind of women were sent to these laundries, girls as young as 12 could be sent there, although records show that the youngest one was only 8 years old and the oldest was 89. Let's talk a bit about reparations from the Irish state and the reactions of the Catholic Church, because as the mystery of the Magdalene Laundries was uncovered we had a very different set of reactions from literal indifference on the part of institutions to anger from the people who were wronged and their families and the public in general. So we came to the conclusion that the state failed to protect and defend the individual liberty and human rights of the women in Magdalene Laundries as they had the right to expect in a democratic state governed by the rule of law. In 2001, the government recognized that the women in the laundries had definitely suffered abuse, but, however, they claimed that they had nothing to do with it as the laundries were privately run by the Catholic Church. For years, they refused any claims of investigation and compensation for the survivors, despite the many facts proving the state knew about the conditions and the public's really angry reaction. They refused to give any apologies or take any kind of accountability in this case until a full investigation was launched in 2011 with reports of the abuse being drawn in 2013. By then, the evidence was undeniable, so the government had to issue a formal apology to the survivors and did so in February 2013. Survivors claim the report only covers the tip of the iceberg, though. Only as much in order to successfully place the blame on the state, but definitely not enough to completely describe their horrific experiences in the laundries. In June 2013, the Minister of Justice even announced recommendations for compensations to be made to the survivors. Such compensations include... Lump-sum payments from 11,000 euros to 50,000 euros, additional weekly installments even. Medical cards were provided in order to help women who were injured during their work at the laundries. Advice regarding education and housing benefits was given to them. And lastly, they started a process to establish a memorial for both the victims as well as the survivors of the Magdalene laundries. Although this is definitely a start for the state taking full accountability for their actions and failures, it is definitely not enough to make up for the amount of suffering of both victims and survivors of Magdalene Laundries. The reaction of the Catholic Church was entirely different, however. They still claim they did nothing wrong in the situation of the Magdalene Laundries. To this day, they still have not contributed to any compensation funds despite having been demanded to do so from the government, the UN Committee Against Torture, as well as the UN Committee on the Rights of Children. They even claimed that they should not offer any apology or compensation as they were offering a free service for the country and that media coverage is very one-sided and does not depict the actual events of the laundries. One woman by the name of Elizabeth Coppin even managed to take the case to the United Nations Committee Against Torture in order to raise awareness and seek justice for the acts that she suffered through during her stay at the Magdalene Laundries. Elizabeth Coppin's individual communication alleges continuing violations of the following provisions of the United Nations Convention Against Torture, which Ireland ratified in 2002. So Article 12 of the convention... On the basis that Ireland has never held a prompt and impartial investigation into the complaints of torture and cruel, inhumane, and degrading treatment and punishment in the Magdalene laundries. Despite even being required to do so by the public when the mass graves were discovered, but also throughout the whole time that they knew about the atrocities happening there. Article 13 of the Convention, on the basis that Ireland has failed to ensure that Mrs. Coppin and other survivors of the Magdalene Laundries have the right to complain to and have their cases examined by the competent authorities. Article 14 of the Convention, on the basis that Ireland has failed to ensure that Mrs. Coppin and other survivors can obtain full redress for the violations suffered, including the means for as full rehabilitation as possible. In Article 16 of the Convention, on the basis that Ireland's failures and the resulting impunity of the state and relevant religious congregations, respectively the Catholic Church, constitute an affirmation by Ireland, by act and by clear implication, of Mrs. Coppin's treatment in the Magdalen Laundries. The state of Ireland tried to argue that Mrs. Coppin's complaint does not fall under the temporal jurisdiction of the court because... Arden had only ratified the convention in 2002, and the laundries took place way before that. But in its admissibility decision, delivered as recent as 2020, the commission found that Elizabeth Coppin's individual communication is admissible and full. The reasons for the admissibility of her applications are the fact that the committee can examine alleged violations of procedural obligations under the convention that occurred even before a state party's ratification of the treaty. Secondly, a state party can violate Article 14, which requires state parties to ensure that victims of torture obtain redress through a failure to investigate, criminally prosecute, or allow civil proceedings related to allegation of acts of torture. Thirdly, Mrs. Coppin's individual communication alleges that Ireland has affirmed its violations on many occasions since the entry into force of the convention. And lastly, the waivers signed by Mrs. Coppin as a condition of participation in two domestic compensation schemes cannot alleviate the state party of its obligation to investigate allegations of continuing violations of the convention brought to its attention. In more layperson terms... What happened is that Mrs Coppin's complaint still got admitted despite the fact that Ireland ratified the convention long after the Magdalene Laundries scandal happened and the Magdalene Laundries had ceased to exist. And now there is an ongoing judgment between Mrs Coppin and Ireland and we still have to see the outcome of this decision, but we can be optimistic that Mrs Coppin will receive justice in this judgment. Consider that the ripple effect of these atrocities goes far beyond than just the women involved, but also to their babies and moreover to the conception of women in society. There are many survivors alive to this day that have been ashamed of recognizing their trauma and sharing it with the world, especially because of the
0: misconceptions that they had even towards themselves. So looking at... Ireland today, like Alyssa just said, it's a topic that's not very much like talked about. People know about it because they know of people that maybe have been a laundry baby or were a survivor of the Magdalene laundries. But it's very shameful to talk about it, and many people don't mention it for these grounds. Like they don't talk about it with their family. It's not very much like a very openly discussed topic, and it's actually not part of the Irish school curriculum, so you won't be taught about this in most schools. I know from Irish friends um, of mine that went through the Irish school system that they've only read like a poem about it or read a book about it in Irish class, but have not had details about what happened like we would, for example, about World War II or the Vietnam War, etc. Moreover, like I said earlier in the episode, many graves are still found today and they're still being uncovered all the time because no one knows where these unregistered graves are or were placed. So it's very much a discovery all the time. And yeah, it's it's a very big concern that because it's not very talked about and many people don't actually know about it from our generation anyway, that those women might be forgotten and that their stories might fade into existence or could completely be forgotten. Also, it's very sad to see that um, on an international scale, besides the case that Alyssa mentioned earlier, there has not been much... Lighted on the situation, and not many situations were brought before court, and um, especially not before the International Court of Justice, because in a way, this very much was a, like a crime of aggression or a crime against humanity, because people were systemically incarcerated and forced to do forced labor. So it's sad to see that on an international scale, there hasn't been much condemnation about this. And like we said, the church has not as far as we know, um, apologized about this and they said they had issued one formal apology which consisted of a sentence. So um, so the pain is still very much felt by those women and by everyone else. Okay, guys, thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. Um, if this in any way, shape or form tickled your interest in the Magdalene laundries in Ireland, like we're going to link some youtube videos and some other sources in the description and there's also a very good irish film that's been made about this in 2006 it's called the forgotten maggies so if you maybe want to have a look into that yeah i mean it's a very very depressing topic and it's been very sad because not many people know or know about this and it's still very much covered because it's literally been swept under the rock hence the episode title But um, we find it very important to raise awareness about this topic and discuss it with your peers, discuss it with your parents. If you know someone who knows someone who's been a laundry baby or has been affected by this in any sort of way, then talk to them about it. Raise awareness and don't be insensitive. Also, this is a literal modern example
1: of human trafficking. Yeah. Like... Because I think it's important to use the keyword human trafficking. Yes, also. 100%. Like, I agree. it might not be labeled as such by the authorities. But now, if we would see a similar case, it would definitely fall under human trafficking. Like, forced labor, slavery, kidnapping of the babies. Yeah, So and selling them on, yeah, 100%. I agree. Definitely atrocious on the part of the Irish state and, of course, the Catholic Church for for not only doing this obviously but not even acknowledging it yeah and sweeping it under the rug yeah but thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time with our new episode
0: which is going to be just as exciting as this one yes and it's probably going to be another guest on it as well (laughs) so stay tuned for our mystery guest bye
1: Lump sum.